0: Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. So I'm really, really excited. This is a surreal moment for me because I get to introduce one of the greatest men that I've ever known. My dad. I love my father for a million reasons, and if I tried to list out all the reasons why I love him and honor him and respect him so much, I would be up here all night, but I'm not going to do that. Um, you know, I always, I, I wasn't always, um, I, was, I was a great, let me testify real quick, I was a great daughter, right, Dad? I'm a great daughter. Um, but there was, you know, once upon a time where I, I lived a few rebellious years, and I say that because I'm standing here today because of the prayers uh, of my dad. Um, He didn't give up on me whenever I was doing what I did. Um, He looked beyond uh, my failures, he looked beyond my sin, and he called me into who God created me to be. So he's not just a man that preaches grace and truth, but he's a man that lives out grace and truth. I've never been to a restaurant where he didn't look at the waitress or waiter and ask, hey, you know Jesus? I've never been through a drive through whether it's Wendy's or Chick-fil-A, where he didn't look at the, the, the worker and say, hey, you know Jesus? We go to the dry clean, hey, you know Jesus? Look, Rachel can testify. She didn't know that was my daddy. She was at Orange Theory Fitness. He came and met her, prayed with her in the parking lot. Do you know Jesus? Right, Rachel? It's the truth. I've seen him pray. At Sonic, I've seen him pray with me when I didn't know if I was going to make it another day. When I got pregnant out of wedlock, I was ashamed. I was embarrassed, and I was like, Dad, I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassing you in our small town. And I know I'm a pastor's daughter, and guess what? He looked at me in the face, and he called out Destiny and Taylor. He never encouraged me to hide or be ashamed. He said, guess what? God has a plan for you. God has a plan for that baby, and we're going to get through it. He doesn't just preach on the stage grace and truth, but he lives it out. So he's always um, embedded in me the grace and truth of Jesus. Y- y'all put your seatbelts on because you're going to get some truth tonight. That's for sure, okay? But I love it because he has um, he's taught me everything I know. And I just love love the man that he is and it's the biggest honor and the biggest privilege to have him speak at my church. It's actually really funny because I'm like, he always called me, well, I can't say what he called me, but I was always the wild one, the baby child, and I think it's comical how we sit back and now I'm like a lead pastor of a church, right, Dad? (laughs) We're always like, this is really funny. Um, But I love it because one thing that he's always said, my brother just got married and he actually quoted it in his vows. But my dad says there's only one thing better, one thing greater than going to heaven, and that's taking people with you, Hey, And so tonight, it is my honor, we're we're in this race. I don't know if you know it, but do you know we're in a race? We're in a race, right? This is not our home, you feel me? This is not our home, and we're all in a race. And tonight, oh, I feel the glory of God. Tonight, I get to pass the baton to my daddy. And when I tell you I am believing for miracles, signs, and wonders, I'm telling you, he has been preaching across the world for 38 years of my life. I'm 34, he has been preaching the gospel. And now he's here tonight at Social Dallas. And it is my honor and privilege. And so I want to look to you, Dad, and say, hey, tonight I'm handing the baton to you. Let's take more people to heaven with us tonight, okay? You ready? Social, you ready? Are you ready? So, Dad, we love you. Come on out. Robbie Mitchell, everyone, give him a round of applause. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah. You better lift your hands up in the building, my God. Lift your hands up in the building. Woo! Tell him you love him. Tell him how much you love him. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Taylor. You may be seated. Thank you, musicians. Man, it's good to be here. I've been looking forward to this. As she said, we travel about, about over 38 years, about 48 weeks a year. And I am excited about this church. I'm real excited about this church. I'm more excited about this church than some of you that go here because I realize what has happened. Robert, one of the best speakers that's ever picked up a microphone. I'm not saying that because he's my three grandkids' daddy. It has nothing to do with it. You've got the preaching. You've got the worship. I mean, you got part of Hillsong up here. You got part of Maverick City. You got angels floating around here. You got the preaching. You got the worship. You got the love. That's some of the nicest people I ever met in my life, Pastor. Then you got my daughter, the First Lady. You know, I told Robert a while back, Pastor, I said, uh, You got it. Your worship has it. It'll pull them in. But then I turned and I said, But my daughter's got something that's very addictive. Because I raised her, I know what she is. To everybody, every human being. I've never seen anybody love people more than Taylor Madeu. I've never seen anybody love people more than Taylor Madu. It's addictive how much she loves and how much she really cares. She, they, they are the real deal. Amen? Amen? I want to say this before I go any further about this church. My family's here tonight. Amen? Tracy, my wife, stand up. These lights are bright, but I'm looking at you. Stand up. One of the greatest women speakers in in America, no doubt about it. I don't say that because she's my wife either. One of the greatest women speakers in America. She's a published author with Thomas Nelson Publishing. You can get her books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, but order them from us because I get more of the money. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. RobbieMitchell.com, TracyMitchell.com. Michele Mitchell, my oldest child, my first one. Stand up, Michele. Michele's dynamic. She's known for her great photography throughout the world, but she's got a ministry that's about to explode. Amen. One of the greatest women I've ever known in my life. Alan Orcutt, my other son-in-law. Stand up, Alan. Amen. He don't know it, but he's about to start a church. Stand up, Alan. I want everybody to see you. Get your get, Boy, get up in the name of Jesus, I said. Your father-in-law said, get up, son. No, excuse me. I got carried away. I got kink swept. The Father, okay, yeah. Brother Colby, glad you're here tonight. His great friend. Stand up. I appreciate you coming. Amen. Evelyn Madu, she's my kin, folks. Stand up, Evelyn. We, we just call her honey. We call her honey because she's one of the sweetest women I ever met in my life. Amen. Let me say this to you real quick. 61 years old, coming up February 15th. I'll give you my address for the birthday gifts. I want you to send me. I just want, thought I'd throw that in there. 61 years I've been living. 42 years of salvation. I've been born again 42 years. Listen to me now. Over 38 in full-time evangelism, traveling the 48, 49 weeks a year, sometimes two places a week. Are you ready for this? I've never seen anything build like your building I've never seen anything grow like you're growing. I want you to know I looked at your pastor, my son-in-law. So pardon me when I say Robert because I get mixed up. And then Pastor Medu seems weird to me, but it's there. Amen. When I look at RMM, Robert Medu Ministries, and RMM, Robbie Mitchell Ministries, well, that's a God deal right there. Amen. He- Amen. We get a tattoo right there, RMM, amen. <laughs> R, R, he's, he's trying to mess with me. He said it only needs to be that big. G, G is what my grandkids call me. It only has to be. But I've never, and I want you to understand what has gone on. I've never in my life. In all my travels, I tell my friends about it. I tell them, they go, man, what's happening? We're watching some Social Dallas, and we hear through you. Brother Robert, I'm I'm one of the best advertisements you got, man. As I travel, I'm telling them about Social Dallas. I'm trying to get people when they're moving here. They tell them, we're coming to Dallas. We're going to go to your son-in-law's church. That's where I want you to go. But I want you to understand, many, many people, before I preach a word, i got to give you this. Trust me in traveling. Many people struggle to 100, that 100 you start out with. And they're at 100 six months later. And they're at 85 another two months later. And they're back up to 110. Then they go to 115, and they can't pay their bills, and they're struggling. When I came home, and I said, what did y'all have Sunday? I'm just asking, 700. I said, good Lord. Came home the next few weeks, what would you have, 800, 900? What did you have this past Sunday, 1,100? What would you have, one of them, combine all services, 2,000? I want you to know what you're a part of before I preach this word tonight. It's going to be one of the most crucial words for this body. Amen. We got all night now. Amen. It's not a Sunday morning service. We're going to flow in the word. Amen. Amen. I listened to Chandler. Chandler, you're going to listen to me, aren't you, brother? All right. I listen to that brother. Now, he's going to have to listen to me. Don't let him go. Don't let him get out of there. Amen. Make him listen. As I traveled around and I began to speak and then put on social media, of course, and uh, our website, uh, they saw my itinerary for where I was going to be. So tonight, how are we going to do this? Frankie, where are you at? We're going to do it right just like we said? Okay. Here is what I know since they knew this week I was going to come. They've known it for about a month or two on the website. Some churches are streaming, streaming. They they love me in their church as an evangelist. They love Robert Madu. They love this church. They are streaming their Sunday night service. They're streaming on the big screen. <laughs> he worship I'm preaching night in their church. And, and several people text me and call and said, Man, you gonna be there? You still gonna be at Social Dallas? Listen where I just know that they call me from and and, and, and text me. Elderate, Arkansas. Our hometown, Trey and Lauren, my son and daughter, just got married Wednesday. He said, I can't wait. I'm stoked. I'm ready for the night. They're watching, man. They're watching. They cut loose from their honeymoon a little bit to watch this. Crazy, crazy joker. Amen. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. Eldorado, Arkansas. Little Rock, Arkansas. Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Hold on. Star City, Arkansas. Someone in the church loves me and Robert. And they want the pastor to get a bus. They said, these two together in the same building? They said, we're going to get a bus, our, 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 our trailways bus we got, and we are going to bring it to Dallas. And the pastor said, I don't know if we can do that or not, load it up. But he said, why don't we just stream it? And they're streaming it. St. Clairsville, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Prescott, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, Greenville, Tennessee, Leesville, Louisiana, Fort Polk, where the Army base is, Landisburg, Pennsylvania. They are watching tonight. So, what we need to do is turn where we're turning, right here at this camera. Everybody, stand up, put your hands together, clap for them that have joined us tonight. Clap your hands for them that have joined us tonight. My Lord. Amen. Just just popped on. We are watching from Leesville, Louisiana. Just popped on. Amen. So That's amazing. Amen. Hallelujah. We appreciate them. We appreciate you. And we do want to get into this tonight. I tell young preachers when they began to preach, one of the key things about the anointing of God that will help you is this. Stop preaching to impress and start preaching for results. Learn what God anoints when you began to preach for results because you love the people. As an evangelist traveling, you only got a night or whatever with them, whatever we do. So tonight, one service, I want to stress to you this great church, something that you have to watch. And listen how I say this before we read the text. You have grown amazing, very unusual. We've got to make sure you don't outgrow in numbers your intimacy when you're not here. When you're on your own, we got to make sure the intimacy level grows with the numbers. Because I've seen it over the years. You can get lost in the numbers. Your intimacy can get lost in the numbers. I want you to know what you got going here. And now I want you to listen. Open up in the Word, everybody tonight, to the Song of Solomon, one of the least preached books in the entire Bible, one of the least read books in the Bible, is many times where you find some of the greatest nuggets in the Word. Are y'all hearing me? So we look tonight at Song of Solomon, chapter 5. I'll break it down where you can understand it. There are eight chapters in Song of Solomon. Anytime you do get into one of the eight chapters, you need to understand what it's all about intimacy. We've got a bridegroom, we've got a bride. Jesus did not start in Mary, the virgin birth. He has always been, John said, in the beginning was the Word, and all things were made by him, for him, without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus didn't begin in Mary. He's always been. He is the one that is in Song of Solomon known as the famous bridegroom. The bride is the church, symbolic of, physical picture for spiritual things. The man's part that we're about to read is the way the Lord does feel about you and I, 2021. The woman's part we're about to read is the way you and I are supposed to be feeling about him in 2021 with everything going on from distractions sexually monetarily fame fortune you name it welcome to america welcome to american church world we've got to make sure we're sensitive to him when we're in church but when we're not cuz me and robert have our own family We can't live with you. When you leave here, what do I do? This is the last night of these services for a while. What do I have to do? Look at it with me. Song of Solomon chapter 5. The man's part's the way he feels. The woman's part's the way you and I are supposed to be feeling about him. I am coming to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I've drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends. Drink ye, drink abundantly, O beloved. The woman, the bride, says in verse 2, I sleep. Well, she's admitting she's sleeping. But my heart waketh. What is it? A knock on the door with knuckles? No. It's a voice of my beloved that knocketh. Saying, open to me, my sister, my love, dove, undefiled. For my head is filled with you, and my locks were the drops of the night. I have put off my clothing, how shall I put it on? I have washed my feet, how shall I defile them? My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels were moved for him. My inward parts were moved for him. I rose up, verse 5, to my, open to my beloved, but my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. Look at verse 6. She said, I opened to my beloved, but my beloved hath withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul fell when he spake. I sought him, but I couldn't find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. The watchmen that went about the city found me, smote me, wounded me. The keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. Urgent, verse 8. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, If you find my beloved for me, tell him, the bridegroom, that I am sick of love. I'll explain that in just a minute, what it means. We leave the bridegroom and the bride. We go to now what we call the daughters of Jerusalem. The daughters of Jerusalem are her friends. They don't know him. They don't know what the bridegroom looks like because they've never met him. They've never, like our relatives and friends, have really never given him a chance And now they are about to ask her the question of the entire Bible, what you and I were asked when we got born again. What is thy beloved more than another beloved, O thou fairest among women? What is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost so charge us? In Texas language, they ask her about the bridegroom, what's so great about him? She answered him in verse 10, my beloved is white and ruddy. He's the chiefest among 10,000. His head is as a most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of water, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. His lips are like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are as gold rings set with a burl. His belly is as bright ivory, overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as pillars of marble, set up on the sockets of fine gold. His countenance, look at this, is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. And I love the conclusion of the way she describes in a full description of the bridegroom. His mouth is most sweet, yea. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, my lover, the one I'm intimate with. This is my lover, my beloved. This is my friend, O oh daughters of Jerusalem. Somebody say amen. amen. That's some pretty stuff right there, even though many of y'all didn't understand that. That's what I'm for. I'm 60 years old, and in an evangelism, over 38 years, I've been in that church, Robert. I have faced this woman time and time again this blanketed spirit that literally is on many churches it's what makes a great church stand out cuz it don't allow this spirit to blanket their church she made a statement that i told you i stressed to you in the text This woman, this bride said, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It's a voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. It's the voice of the beloved that knocketh. When you think about it, we all have things in common. No matter who we are, we got a lot more in common than we don't. We all have to eat food to survive. How many of y'all eat food? Some of y'all love it. Come raise your hand. There's only one thing that one man that don't eat a dead man. You got to eat to live a blade of grass, a fish that swims, a bird that flies, a man's spirit that was dead and now is born again. He's got to eat. It's a universal law of God. you got to feed it. Anything to keep it alive or it can die. You can starve it to death. Two ways I can kill you with food. I'll put poison in your food. It's instant. I can pull the food away and starve you to death. Many pulpits do it to their people all the time. Bad doctrine, poison, kills them instant. If you believe the truth and it sets you free immediately, if you can believe the truth and it sets you free what about if you believe a lie, what will it do? Or I can pull the food back like many pulpits do and starve the people literally to death and they don't even know they're dying until they die. We all eat. We all supposed to work. Somebody shout now. So people, if you don't say nothing, people are going to look at you like lazy. Amen. We all work to make it. Are you ready? And every one of us sleep. I ain't never been to your house. I've never seen your bed. But you know what? I know something about you. All of us sleep. Are you ready? But sleep is weird. You know what's weird about sleep? Food isn't weird to me. Working isn't weird to me. Sleeping's weird. You know what's weird about it to me? It's 61 years of living. I've never met a man or woman that knows they're sleeping while they're sleeping. I've never met a man that knows he's sleeping. Alan, while he's sleeping, the knowledge of his sleep is always future. Man, I'm tired. I'm going to bed tonight. The knowledge of the sleep is always past tense. Man, that was good sleep last night. When you're in a deep sleep, are you ready? I've never met anybody that knows they're sleeping while they're sleeping until somebody wakes them up and when they come alive. No wonder Paul wrote to the Pentecost, not the Catholic church, he wrote it to the Pentecost church at Ephesus, a lot closer to Acts chapter 2 than where we are today. And you know what he said to them? Arise from the dead, thou that sleepest, and let Christ. Christ Jesus give you some light the alarm clock went off tonight I'm dealing with a subject the voice at the door the voice at the door let me tell you something about waking churches up when they've been sleeping they're like you they wake up grouchy I, I tell people listen I know we're in ghillies right now you ready You listening? The meanest people I ever met in my life wasn't in the nightclubs I used to go to before I got born again. The meanest people I ever met in my life go to Pentecostal churches. And you know when their meanness comes alive? When they're enjoying their sleep. And God as an evangelist sends me through. And I'm an alarm clock because they set theirs for 7 a.m. And I come through about 5.30 a.m. And are you hearing me? Somebody wakes them up when they're not ready to get up. I found years ago that leaders... Many times in the churches, we have to wean, W-A-N. We ought to wean people from church, the church things. And we got to wean them to God. Because many people even love their church more than they do the bridegroom. They know their church. They know everything about it. But they don't know the bridegroom of the church. In our text, we got a bridegroom. We got a bride. We got a man. We got a woman. We got a door. Nobody talks about the door. The Song of Solomon door is very, it's parallel with our life because it's a separating factor. We got a bridegroom on one side of the door in Song of Solomon, the eight chapters. We got his bride, the church, on the other side of the door. I don't care how much you love someone on the other side of the door. Y'all ready for this? It's impossible to be intimate through a wooden door. The door becomes a separating factor. Somebody has to get up and open the door. Somebody has got to remove the separating factor. Here we go. Here we go, social. So the intimacy can begin. What tonight, as I preach this, is the separating factor in your life? That's keeping you from being touched by Him. It's keeping you from being able to touch Him. All you're able to do is walk to a three or four inch wooden slatted door and speak through the door and talk, but never be touched. You better hear me. Biblical days, none of them knock with their knuckles. It's a Western culture deal. Their doors did not have keyholes. Their doors did not have uh, the little latch on the the, uh, home folk side. The Song of Solomon doors absolutely were wooden slatted in Eastern culture. They had a circumference hole five, six, seven, eight, nine inches in the door. When the visitor would approach the door, what reason Jesus talked about the door constantly He's with Jewish disciples, the culture, and he constantly mentions about a door. I mean, why do he even call himself a door? We got an eternal God that is the way, the truth, and the life. But he looks at them and said, I am the door. Those Jewish guys knew what he was talking about. Let me explain it like this. When you approach the door in, in the Jewish days, nobody knocked with their knuckles. If the disciples could look down from heaven at night and see you and I walk to a door, they would say the Lord, why are those people down there, Lord, hitting that door with their fist? Why, my Lord, are they mad at the door? Because nobody... Knock with their knuckles. Y'all, y'all ready now? Get ready. I'm going to preach it tonight. They knocked with their voice. They walked. You know the famous saying, be careful now what you're doing behind closed doors. Somebody might be watching. It came from the Eastern culture. You and I have doors. If we got a window, we got a curtain on it. Somebody knocks on our door, gives us time to shut it off, grab the remote, put it down, pour it out. Y'all start saying something now because you know what? We hear them before they can see us. But in biblical days, it was a restraint. When the visitor walked to the door, the hole that was in the door had no covering. They literally, the visitor would look down and peek through the door. The visitor would then cup their hands. The visitor would begin to speak through the hole in the door, hoping that you had previously been intimate enough with that voice so that when they began to talk through the hole in the door, you knew exactly who it was that had come to your house. In the Old Testament Hebrew, the word, the Hebrew word for voice is the Hebrew word for word? When the Old Testament prophets said the word, they didn't have anything to read when they came along and said the word of the Lord has spoken unto me. They were saying this: the voice of the Lord has spoken unto me. They are interchangeable in majority of places in the Old Testament. You go to the New Testament Greek, here's what we find: the word for word is the same Greek word for voice, identical to the Hebrew Old Testament. Here is what Paul was saying to the Spirit-filled church at Corinth. Be, Be aware and be careful. Because he said, many strange voices. He was saying... Many, I'm telling you tonight, listen to me, Social Dallas, many of you that are young in the Lord, there are many strange voices. There are interchangeable, many strange words that are out there that when you take a little break over the holidays, I'm not ignorant of his devices. You're going to have to be careful because the devil loves to tear this thing up before it even explodes more. He's going to send some strange words and some strange voices. But when you get intimate with the one voice. Paul said everything else is strange. See, one of the most beautiful things when you hear the voice at the door and you go and you hit the latch that is on your side and you open it up, you ready? Young people, listen. The most beautiful thing when you open the door in intimacy to whatever it is you're needing is this is that he knows what you're about to tell him and yet he still listens. The one at the door, he knows what you're about to say and yet he still hangs around to hear you. Are y'all with me? Now let me say this to you about the voice that knocks on the door. It's hard to hear God's voice when you've already decided what you want him to say. I said, it's all right. Listen to me. We're going to go here tonight. It's a crucial message for results. It's hard to hear the voice of the Lord when you already decided what you want him to say. And I'm going to say this to you, and I'm going to say it. It's for everybody. What that word says is sin, what the word said isn't. I don't go by man's doctrine, a bunch of preachers in a round table in a high black leather chairs, trying to vote on democratically on what is sin and what is not. The word of God is plain enough, Ten Commandments, and the rest of them too. I ain't trying to play. I'm just trying to build intimacy in people. But I want you to understand this. Remember this, young people, never forget it. You cannot be the bride of Christ and the girlfriend of Satan at the same time. You cannot be the bride of Christ and the girlfriend of Satan. Choose you this day. Make up your mind what you're going to do. There's not a lot of time. I said there's not a lot of time left to wake up the sheep It's time to wake up some lines, amen. It's time to wake. Do I have any lines in here tonight that are ready to roar in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex? The bridegroom walks to the door. He loves her. He lusts after her. Yeah, he does. It's his bride. And he looks down, and he peeks in the hole of the door. And this message is not about a man laying on the bed with her. This message is not even about immorality. He peeks in the hole of the door, and he smelt her perfume like a a dog, man, trailing a deer or squirrel or whatever. He smells her perfume way down the road, and the bridegroom directs her beautiful perfume. Ladies, she's not wearing that Walmart. $9 a gallon stuff. Are y'all hearing me? With the blue lights. Oh, that's old times. Blue lights all around it. My God, look like a blue sirene. sirene. Amen. Woo! Walmart happy about their nine dollar a stinking gallon. I feel sorry for the husbands who got a woman that wears that stuff. And woman's need deliverance. We gotta get that demon of perfume out of her. I'm talking about the woman smelling good. She's got some great perfume. And the bridegroom catches in the breeze and he walks right to the door. And he walks and he peeks in. Here we go in our text, eight chapters. And she's in a white wedding gown. And it's without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. The blood of Jesus got the spots out, the blemishes were taken out by the blood. Sanctification, are you ready? And the wrinkles were taken out by ironing. The wrinkles in her dress were taken out by pressure being applied. The blood is evident. The chastisement, the persecution from men has taken out the wrinkles in her dress. Ooh, you Ready? But we got a problem. Beautiful wedding gown, beautiful perfume. No man on the bed with her, but she's fallen into a deep sleep. And the latch is on her side. So the bridegroom takes his hand, because all he does is initiate the knock with his word, his voice. And once he cannot get her, honey, it's me. She has fallen, the church, into such a deep sleep that he can't get her to awaken. So he takes his hand, our text, he puts it in, Amanda, and he grabs a latch, and he begins to rattle the latch. It's she's supposed to be opening, and he rattles it some more, and he's waving his hand but she, the bride, has fallen into such a deep sleep, my God, that not even the word and the voice is able to wake her up. And all of a sudden, she gets up. Get ready. Messages on intimacy tonight. She gets up. Come on, American church, when it's convenient for her. When it's convenient for her, she takes her fine-looking, fine-smelling self, her lazy self, and she goes to the door. And our text said in the fifth chapter, she opened the door, and my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. Robert, she couldn't find him. You better get to the door when somebody's knocking. When that voice is at that door, you better lay down everything, quit you, you, you quit it all. You walk to that door because Jesus told the disciples. Ah, those Jews knew what he meant when he said, "I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, not my knuckles, and lay down's what he's doing, and get to the door and open it up, I will come in and sup with him." That's the most intimate thing. You could do right there, dipping out of the same dish. Some of you worried about double dipping in the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Supping mean you took that piece of bread like at the last supper, put it in the juice, bit it off of your lips, touching right there, and you passed it down and grabbed the next one and dipped it, and bit it off and handed it to the next one. I'll sup with you. My sheep, no my interchangeable my sheep know my word and another word they will not run after you know why because they're intimate here we go they're intimate with mine she panics she opens the door he's gone you ever open the door and seem like he wasn't there you love him it's a panicking feeling all of a sudden she freaks out She flips out. She begins to run down the streets. Her friends don't even know what she's doing. She's running through the street. Bridegroom, bridegroom. She's looking for him. She's hyperventilating. It said in our text, some of her friends came up and smote her. They slapped her, not because they were angry. They slapped her to bring her out of a crazy look. I mean, she ain't just crazy, Robert. She's cray-cray. Y'all didn't know a 61-year-old knew that. I have the gift of interpretation. I interpret everything you young people say. A lot of you have cray cray too. But a good kind of cray cray. She can't find him. And all of a sudden they slapped her and said, come out of it, what is it? She said, my beloved, my beloved, I need my beloved. Have you seen my bridegroom? Have you seen him? Have you seen him? They said, we don't know what he looks like. How have we seen him if we do not know what he looks like? And she said, oh, my God. See if y'all catch this. She said, do you think you can help me find him? The church right here asked a group of people that don't even know what he looks like. Do you think you can help me find him? And they said, well, thank you for the." What does he look like? She said, oh, his locks are black and bushy and black as a raven. She starts at the head. His eyes are as dove's eyes. They're fit. They're set. She comes down the body. His cheeks are like spices. His lips are like sweet-smelling, lips are like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. She talks about his chest. She talks about his hands that have caressed her before in their intimacy, that the door had separated. She talked about everything about him. Then she gets down to the legs to conclude the description, and she says, legs? are like pillars of marble. He's a strong man, like pillars of marble that hold up a coliseum. His legs are like pillars of marble set up on the sockets of fine gold. And when I read that, the Holy Ghost spoke to me in study and said, Rabbi Evangelist, she can describe me. She just can't find me. She can describe me. What good, Robert what good are preaching the messages you and I preach, Chandler? What good is worshiping if everybody comes and the mayor and the governor of the state comes? Everybody's here. All the guest preachers come through. Everybody's here but the bridegroom. <laughs> they said, Well, if we find him before you, What message do you want us to tell him? She said, tell him for me. Desperate, panicking. (laughs) Hyperventilating. Tell him for me that I am sick of love. We don't use that. I've never walked up to Robert Madu at home. Father-in-law, son-in-law deal. I've never walked up to him and said, hey, Rob, how you doing today? And him go, I am sick of love. You sick of Taylor, man? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm just kidding. You sick of love? And I went to the original, and there's a void. Listen, there's a, the hub to the wheel. The scripture's hub, H-U-B, is the word in the Hebrew void, V-O-I-D. What the bride was saying when the daughters of Jerusalem asked her, what do you want us to tell him in case we, we find him before you? Tell him for me the church said that I am sorry. Tell him for me that I have a void in my spirit that only he can fulfill tell him for me. I've tried men. I've tried booze. I've tried drugs. Prescription, and I bought them on the street. I've tried sex. I've tried fame. I've tried fortune. I've tried everything. And they said to her, they said, well, listen, if we can't find him, why don't you quit wearing yourself out looking for him? Why don't we just find you another one? Another man. And she said, because I'm sure. Because can't nobody do me like Jesus. Amen. There's nobody like the voice. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. Y'all hearing me? This ain't Sunday morning. I'm going to preach a little more. See, Jesus, the one at the door is not who you and your relatives think he is. He is who he says he is. Let me tell you something. Chandler, team, pastor, church. When people have a party, they send out invitations. Birthday, Christmas, anniversary, whatever. Whatever party it is, celebration, you send out an invitation. But there's a big, big difference in, in, in invitations and, and hosting. There's a big difference in inviting someone to come and learning how to host them while I'm there. I'd say the majority of the churches in 38 years—Assembly God Church of God, Independent—all of them. You ready? Majority of the churches are sleeping, and don't know they're sleeping while they're sleeping, until somebody wakes them up. And the majority of them are good people. They're like the bride. There ain't no man on the bed with them. Majority of the church, churches, the majority in every church I go to has got moral people, but the devil has sung them a satanic lullaby. He knew. If he couldn't, this is for the staff of this church that works yourself to death at times. Robert Taylor, you've had it on you at times. Listen, let me talk to my family a minute. I mean, I love you, but I don't love you like I love them. You ready? If the devil can't get you to be bad, he'll get you to be busy. If the devil can't, listen, the same devil used to tempt me to be a bad boy, and I turned him down like a date. He kept wanting to go on a date. I turned him down. Pretty soon he quit asking me. But I'm not ignorant of his devices. Same devil that used to tempt me to be bad is the same one today that tempts me to be busy. And whether you're a bad boy, bad girl, busy boy, busy girl, it's all about this. He tempts both. He don't care if you're bad or busy. He just wants nothing done in the kingdom. He wants you to burn out. He wants you to plummet, your intimacy level to plummet because that's when every immorality from the pulpit to the chairs, everything that's ever happened, listen to me, social over the holidays, when he wears you out, the devil then knows what you like. And the timing, he always sends it. Chandler, you're one of the greatest worship leaders ever. We know about Maverick. It's all I hear young people talking about, Maverick. I was, are you talking about a car or a worship team? Hello. I know what they're talking about. I want all of you to hear this. Can I preach for results tonight instead of to impress? Can I, can I sow into the church that I love that I want to be a part of you ready Chandler a worship leader came to me he's well known I won't mention his name in the pulpit or out he said brother Robbie can I talk to you I said yeah he said I'm dry I'm drained I've committed an immoral act against my wife he said, what I need to do? I said, you've been praying? He said, no. I said, you've been playing? He set a trap for you. You walked right in that mouse trap. I said, you've been reading the word? He said, no. You've been praying? No. But he worships all the time. I said, I love you. You believe I love you? He said, yes, sir, I came to you. I said, take your worship earplugs out and get in the Word and pray. Take! We all love it all, but hear me, team, on the platform, all the rest of us, all of us, take your worship earplugs out every now and then. Get in the Word, close the door, tell your family you'll see them a day or two later. Get intimate with God because here's the problem. Sometimes with us on the platform, we got the music in our earplugs playing so loud we can't hear the voice at the door and listen above everything, the preaching, above the worship. We have got to be intimate as we approach the last days. Robert and Taylor, the anointing comes through intimacy. Church social, the anointing comes through intimacy. And when you get to a certain level of intimacy by opening the door of the bridegroom, the anointing level skyrockets. Miracles began to happen. You see things you've never seen. You hear things you've never heard. You feel things you've never felt. Are you ready? But I want to tell Social Dallas a word that I got for you tonight. An intimacy level to a church that's sensitive to the voice at the door and immediately goes up and opens it and removes the distraction. That intimacy level attracts attacks. That intimacy level attracts attacks. Do not look at it as trouble. Look at it as confirmation. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Sometimes, I recommend to all you young people, Today's Veterans Day. You had John Bevere, the old man, today. and You got Robbie Mitchell, the old man, tonight. Sometimes you need to sit down with a bold, intimate veteran warrior. You listening? The conversation's different. The conversation's different. I used to wonder... Why is it about, what is it about some of these Pentecost full gospel, whatever you call them, churches, that all the towns that they're in knows about them is their cake bakes and their ski trips and their candy drives. They ought to know you by the casting out of devils. I want them to know social church by the, that's where the word is preached, heaven to hell and everything in between. Deliverance, everything. Everything. That's where you go and get filled with the Spirit. That's where you go and get delivered from any type of drug. That's where you go. That's where love is. That's where the power of God is. They don't just love. Listen to me. They got the power of Almighty God flowing in that place. I open that door to Him. I want you all to hear me. Who's the one on the other side of the door? At Bethlehem. He became God with us. We follow him to Calvary. He became God for us. We get him off the cross in the tomb, third day out of the tomb. Take him to Pentecost where he descends. He becomes God in us. Bethlehem, God with us. Calvary, God for us. Pentecost, God in us. I did some research the other day. I'll give you a quick trick, save you some legwork. I studied, recorded, documented the last words of Muhammad, the founder of Islam. You know what the last words on his deathbed recorded was Muhammad saying, I don't know the purpose of life. I went over to Brother Buddha. You know what I found about Buddha? His last words on his deathbed recorded, seek for truth. I went to Confucius. You know what Confucius said? He told the people dying, I am not the way. Then I opened up to the book that talks about the man, the bridegroom at the door. You know how one of them said, I don't know the purpose of life, and the other one said, just seek for truth. I'm not him. And the other one said, I'm going to tell you I'm not the way. I went to Jesus. You know what I found him saying? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one, not one, can come to the Father except he come. Woo through me. Somebody better shout. Somebody better shout. I was 18 years old. I heard the knock on the door. Let me tell you all this. I had a blonde-headed blue eye. People hear me preach. They go, My God, man, you're third or fourth generation Pentecost preacher. On your mom, dad's side, which side, Dad? What side is it, brother? I look at them when they think I'm a third generation Pentecost preacher. I look at them in their eyes. I said, look at me. I had a blonde-headed, blue-eyed, United Methodist daddy. I had a black, I got a black-headed, black-eyed, German-Lutheran mother. My blonde-headed, blue-eyed, United Methodist daddy asked my black-headed, black-eyed, German-Lutheran mother, will you marry me? She said yes. They got married, conceived. Woo! Had a Pentecostal preacher. Did you hear me? What are you saying? Buddy, that's God. You can't Google that. You can ask Siri, tell Siri, hey Siri, tell her that scenario. I know what she'll say. I do not understand the question. I do not understand the question. Siri can't figure that out. I open that door, (laughs) like some of you need to do tonight. 18 and a half years old, the door had blinded me. I saw the Son of God. I saw for the first time, Brother Medu, the Son of David and the Son of Man. I saw the Son of Mary. On the other side of the door all along was Satan's greatest dread. He was the way, the truth, and the life, and I couldn't see him. The separating factor had blinded me from who he was, but when I opened the door and removed it, I saw morality's highest summit and the grave's ultimate destroyer. I I recognized the Garden of Eden's tree of life, philosophy's personality, Abel's acceptable sacrifice, and I know where archaeologists go after it all the time trying to find it. I saw Noah's Ark of Salvation. He was standing on my front porch in South Arkansas, He's Abraham's ram. He's Israel's Passover lamb. He's a Moses' rod. He's the veil in the temple. Standing outside the door was Gideon's sword in the tabernacle in the wilderness. I've already found, tell the archaeologist, I know where David's slingshot is. I found Daniel's line tamer. I know the three Hebrew boys fire extinguisher. I have met the fourth man in the fire. He is counselor. He's mighty God. Why wouldn't you get up and go to the door? He's Prince of Peace, Ezekiel's breath, Zachariah's fountain filled with blood. Here me, hear me alpha and omega a and z thomas said he's my lord he's my god he's a justifier sanctifier redeemer from all the curse of the law i have found the fullness of the godhead bodily mediator between man god and man husband to the widow father to the orphan bright morning star what are you looking for he's john's pearly white city i'm hurrying oh hallelujah When you open the door, you're going to find there's no one like him in his pre-existence. Can I preach about Jesus just a few more minutes? There's nobody like him in his pre-existence. You see, people need to understand this. Jesus, the one at the door the bridegroom, that he's trying to do his best to break through with his word, his voice to you. He pre-existed with the Father. He laid aside all the glamour and the royal died of glory. He took on the form of humanity. (laughs) Satan tried to kill him. But no man takes my life. I lay it down. He's born, the devil tries, can't do it. Died on a cross, went in the tomb. Three days, three nights, lower part of the earth. Died physically. Father and Jesus had an appointment with the devil from the beginning of time, though time didn't have a beginning, to strip him of his keys to death, hell, and the grave. He dies, buried, ascends, resurrects, ascends upon high, shed his blood on the earth, sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven, turned and looked at the Father sitting on his right hand. The Father threw the thumbs up. And said, it is finished, it's done. Sit down. He sat down the spirit of God. The third person came to this earth that needs to fill us tonight in this building. I am believing right now that the infilling of the genuine baptism in the Holy Ghost is knocking on the door of people in here tonight. I tell this story, people love it. I had not told it in a while. I have to think just a minute, but you'll like this. Me and Brother Robert know on an airplane, two questions are asked when you get on a plane. One of them is stupid if you think about it. Where are you going? I'm going the same place you're going. That's where we're fixing to land. We're on the same plane. I'm going where you're going. We bought that same ticket. I'm going to land where you're landing. Where are you going? Where are you headed? Where are you headed, buddy? Where are you headed? Huh? Where are you going? Where are you going, man? Hey, dude, where are you going? Where are you going, man? I'm going where you going, man. Second question is, what do you do? Always. Where are you going? What do you do? Now, y'all don't take this wrong. I sit down by this dude, and uh, I said, there's nobody like him in his pre-existence. And the guy says to me, well, he told me, I'm not picking. I'm just telling you what he told me. He, a graduate of Harvard. He let me know that right off the bat. He graduated Harvard. Okay. it's Great. Smart. Smart, neck up, smart. Neck up, really, neck up, smart. Brilliant. He's a graduate with degrees from Harvard. Sharing the same armrest, that means his mouth is right here. You share the armrest, that means their mouth. Eyes right here, mouth right here. I'm so close to him, I could smell that dude's nacho cheese Doritos. He ate before he got on the plane. I know the difference in ranch and nacho cheese. My God, man, you can't go to heaven without eating nacho cheese Doritos. And sweet tea. I told you I'm going to preach the truth. Nacho cheese. I can smell him nacho cheese. He's that close. All of a sudden he said, well, where are you headed? I said, I'm going so and so. What do you do? And all I said, promise to Harvard, I said, I'm an evangelist. And I want to welcome you to the reality of the spirit world. Because I'm serious. He looked demon-possessed. All I said was, I'm an evangelist. I preach the gospel. He was growling. He said, Oh, this is my puppet. Ready? You stupid Christians. You know, y'all are the reason for all the wars in the world. Everybody's worried about ISIS. I'm worried about you huh. terrorists that are already in our borders. It's you evangelical Christians. He said, you butt in the business of a woman. Y'all preach against abortion. He said, leave that woman. It's her womb. She can do what she wants to. You preach against sexual immorality. None of your business about the bedroom, heterosexual or homosexual. None of y'all's business. He's freaking out. And I looked at him and said, man, I just said I'm an evangelist. I just said I'm heading wherever I'm going and, I'm an evangelist. The man, he just kept going. He made me mad because he's talking about you. You're my brothers and sisters, aren't you? He was talking about you. Bunch of stupid Christians, bunch of idiots. I tell you, I wish they'd kill all of you. He's going crazy, Robert. The dude's going crazy. I told him. Y'all don't get mad at me. Next time I see y'all, y'all come back. I told him. I did. I said, I said, dude, back your mouth up, man. I mean, leaned across that armrest. He's over here now. I'm right now. I said, I did. I said, dude, I did. I said, get your mouth back, man, because you know when someone screams at you like that, you can feel the spit. Like them spitballs hit me, and I did like that a few times. Not even trying to be polite as a spirit-filled preacher. I did like this, and he kept going. There's spitballs and then there's mist. Off of each spitball that goes out. <laughs> Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Do y'all in the front row understand tonight? There is mist. I was getting a mist. I had to speak that night when I landed, and it looked like I hadn't washed, or washed my hair and didn't dry it. I said, Dude, back your mouth up. I could see in slow motion, right elbow <clears throat> with that puppet running that mouth. I was mad, he was mad, I offended him. He offended me. I didn't try to. And all of a sudden the debate began. Here it is. And he looked at me. He said, Oh, you stupid Christians, want me to serve this God. Oh, he read some red letter. He said, Want well, me to take, oh, he'd do like this take up this cross. That I'm telling you, take, take up this cross. Follow him. He said, My God, man, when I don't even know he's real. I don't believe he's real. I believe a bunch of men got together and compared notes and took notes and compared them. And you idiots believe the word, this word. He was going off. He said, matter of fact, I never met one of you stupid Christians that can tell me where God came from. Ooh, he had no beginning. That's the way he'd do it. Ooh. He would go, ooh, and I'd go, whoa. He'd go, ooh, and I'd go, whoa. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I said, God, if I cuss him or hit him, which one will you forgive me quicker? <laughs> Robbie, gospel, gospel. The plane begins to descend. And the debate is hot. And he said, I've never met one of y'all that can even tell me where God came from. And I said, brother, today is your lucky day. Today is your lucky Hey, don't go to the bathroom right now. Social. Take a deep breath. Hold it. I'm gonna tell you. You ready? I'm gonna tell you where God came from. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I told you he didn't start in Mary. I'm gonna tell you where he came from. I looked at him. I said, Man, this is your lucky day. I can tell you where God came from. There's nobody like him in his preexistence. He said, Nobody knows where God came from, even if he is real. I said, I'm gonna tell you right now, Mr. Harvard. I'm gonna tell you where he said, by the way, where'd you go to school? I said, the school of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I went to the school of the Holy Ghost. He's talking out of Harvard. I'm talking out of the Holy Ghost. Harvard, Holy Ghost, Harvard, Holy Ghost. Harvard, two channels a man talks out of. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Man, he was pumping it out. Holy Ghost was coming back. Whoop, whoop, whoa, whoa, whoa. Plane was descending, Frankie. He said, all right, you tell me where it came from. I didn't know what I was going to say. I leaned over and told him. It's found in the book of Habakkuk, in the back of the Old Testament. He didn't put it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He put it in Habakkuk. And I said, Habakkuk, little old three, four chapter book. You know Habakkuk, what he said, social. He said, I saw him, talking about God, I saw him coming from the hills of Taman, Robert you ever heard this it's t e t e m a n the word is taman the place is taman and he said god came from taman there's a place in the middle east i took people to israel there's a place in the middle east geographically called taman nobody ever goes there cuz when you get there there ain't nothing to see you've never been anywhere where there was nothing Whether you liked it or not, everywhere you've ever been, there's been something. But when you get to a place in the Mideast called Taman, there's nothing to (laughs) FaceTime anybody about. There's nothing to take a picture of. It's a place where there's nothing there. And Habakkuk said, I saw him coming from the hills of Taman. I looked at the Harvard guy. I said, well, I said, he came from the hills of Taman. (laughs) He said, what does that mean? I said, well, it means nowhere. He said, see there? That's what I'm talking about, stupidity. God came from, whoo, he did that again, nowhere. He came from nowhere. Then he looked at me, plain descending. He said, explain it. I didn't want to explain it. But i tell you what, I didn't know what I was going to say. But I wasn't going to lose this debate. I'll tell you right now, School of the Holy Ghost was not going to let Harvard out debate him. He's sitting here in the middle. I'm sitting on the left by the window. I don't know what he's going to say. He said, well, preacher, I'm waiting. Explain to me nowhere. Where's this Taman? I leaned my head over. I said, God, you better give me where Taman is. I said, because I'm telling you right now, if you don't give it to me, I'll make it up. I'll tell Mr. Harvard that Taman is a planet between Pluto and Mars. And the telescopes can't pick it up because one's blocking the other. Yeah, baby. So I didn't know what I was going to say. I better get me a little drink before I preach this. Lubricate it. You Ready? So I kicked in my Pentecostal voice, I did, my Pentecostal evangelist voice, I did. I said, you see, Mr. Harvard, it was like this. I believe that God came from nowhere, for there was nowhere for him to come from. Coming from nowhere, he stood on nothing. Now, the reason he stood on nothing, there wasn't anywhere for him to stand. Standing on nothing, he reached out where there was nothing to catch. He reached out where there was nowhere to reach. He caught something where there was nothing to catch. He hung something on nothing and he told it to stay there. Job 26, 7 said, He stretcheth out the north over the empty space and he hangeth the earth on nothing. Hanging on nothing he picked up the hammer of his own wheel. He struck the ammo of his omnipotence. The sparks flew everywhere. He reached out Mr. Harvard and grabbed the sparks on the tips of his fingers. He flung them out in the stars. He flung them out in the heavens. He hung them on nothing. And nobody said a word. You know the reason nobody said a word? There wasn't anybody standing around say anything. So God himself said it is good. My doorbell rang on Saturday. It was Jehovah Witness. You got two boys on Saturday riding your front yard on a bike. They're Mormons. You got 57 people get out of a minivan you've been invaded, (laughs) Jehovah's Witness is in your yard. You ready? Sweet lady knocked on the door. She said, hello, I'm Jehovah's Witness. I said, praise God, I am too. I'm Jehovah's Witness. She said, you are? I said, yes ma'am, I love Jehovah. I witness for him all the time. I love Jehovah, I'm I'm a witness of Jehovah. I'm Jehovah's Witness. And she said, but I've never seen you at the Kingdom Hall. I said, maybe you're going to the wrong kingdom. Come inside. <laughs> I brought her inside. We're sitting there. Beautiful lady. I'm thinking, man, I ain't trying to debate her. I really love her. She smiled more than most Christians. And I looked at her. And she said, tell me one thing that blows you away about Jesus. I said, everything blows me away about him, ma'am. Because there's nobody like him in his pre-existence. There's nobody like him. She said, Give me one thing that blows your mind about him. The one at the door. I said, Ma'am, he's the only man ever walked the earth older than his mama, same exact age as his daddy. He's the only man ever walked the earth older than his mother Mary same exact age as his father and I said here's where anybody that don't believe he came as God thought he was a teacher good man, good prophet here's why people are called cults because you miss this when he was born he became what he'd never been Yet he never ceased being what he'd always been. When he was born in all of eternity, he became a baby, what he'd never been. But he never ceased being what he'd always been. God, before Mary, pardon me, God attached to a little 15-year-old virgin girl's uterus wall. God, when she pushed And the stepdad, Joseph, was pulling. Thank God for stepdads. She pushed, he pulled. And Joseph held God in the world. Joseph severed the umbilical cord. Joseph held him up. Without technology, Joseph took his fingers, cleaned the mucus out of the throat of God so God could breathe clean the nostrils of God so God could breathe possibly even held God up by his ankles head down to slap his little bottom to make him cry man if I'd have been there on that day and Joseph had him upside down I'd have said with his hand back i said Joseph that's one little bottom there I wouldn't hit brother you know why you got God upside down. Could you please not drop him? Please don't drop him. I need him bad. Don't drop him on his head. I need him. I'm through, Robert. There's nobody like him in his pre-existence. There's nothing like him in his life. The one at the door. There's nothing like him in his death. But there's nothing like him in his birth. I said, God, take me in the womb of Mary on conception day. Let me know what happened. Not her heart, her womb. I want to know the only virgin ever have a baby. What happened? What made Jesus and Mary and the Spirit of God spoke to me? Here's what He said. He said three things that you all talk all the time. It's in your lingo. It's in the spiritual lingo, but you don't even get what you're saying. I said, what? He said, Robbie. Without a man touching that virgin. The will of God, W-I-L-L, saw the need of a Savior. And the love of God, L-O-V-E, sent him. Coming back full circle to our text, Pastor. And the word of God, the voice at the door. Spoken into the womb of a virgin, produced a Savior. I said, say that again. He said, the will of God saw the need. The love of God sent and the voice at the virgin's womb who invited her to open up produced i said so the will of god love of god word of god became flesh and dwelt among us and he's the same yesterday today and forever he changes not and the lord said this to me tell social dallas if the will of god love of god and pure word of god Produced in virgin territory, the son of God. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. Tell the leadership, always be reminded, what produced him in a virgin will still produce him in a city. And pastors, leadership, I want all of you to always remember this. Here's a veteran talking over the years, observing. Here's where many churches your age have missed it. And my age, mine and John Bevere's age, talk about it. We're concerned. Here's where they miss it. Are you ready? Don't ever be guilty, especially with excellence of talent all over the place up here. You ready? The devil's a solicitor. He sells things and even preachers buy it. He has sold a lie and many leaders have bought it that the way you build a church and win peoples with entertainment. I want all of you to hear this. Listen to my observation over all the years. What you win people with is what you win them to. What you win them with is what you win them to. Make sure, team, it's the will of God, the love of God toward all people And the word of God, the voice that is knocking on every door you ever encounter. And the anointing will come. The intimacy level will explode. This church, common sense, call it prophecy, whatever. This church is going to run thousands. This church is possibly going to run tens of thousands. Are y'all ready? Don't let your growth outgrow your intimacy level. Stay real, stay humble, stay powerful, and watch what he's about to do.
0: We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.